Georgia on my mind. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. In the state of Georgia, a court is authorized to release a person on bail only if it finds, among other things, that the person poses no significant risk of intimidating witnesses or otherwise obstructing the administration of justice. Donald Trump, along with his 18 co-defendants in Georgia, will be booked in a Fulton County jail next week following an arraignment before a judge who will determine if he meets those conditions and face RICO charges that come with a mandatory jail sentence if convicted. Also a huge incentive for those 18 people to flip on him. Add to that, that while a federal pardon won't do Trump any good when it comes to Georgia crimes, neither can a Georgia governor. In the Peach State, it's a parole board that determines whether a convicted individual gets clemency, not a governor, and that can only be granted after a sentence is served. The same remains true even if Trump or his co-defendants are successful in having their cases removed to federal court. So maybe we should start saying Georgia on his mind. If Trump wasn't scared before, he is now. I actually think he's always been scared, just in denial. But Fonnie Willis has him listening to the legitimate advice of counsel this week for what seems like the first time in his life. He listened to them, so he says, and canceled his promised press conference to finally, you know, uh, three years later, show us all the evidence of fraud in Georgia. Things are changing. This fight against fascism is a battle of narratives, and there is nothing more powerful than, a, than criminal prosecutions to deter tyranny and pierce through the brainwashed perceptions of a cult. We owe a huge debt of gratitude to Jack Smith and Alvin Bragg, and especially Fonnie Willis, a black woman who was bravely the first to get the ball rolling on her investigation and has now rightfully indicted Trump as the ringleader of a criminal enterprise. It's absolutely insane, but don't you think it's kind of poetic justice that this man remains the front runner by far of the Republican Party, the GOP that shunned every opportunity to renounce him, and now he's literally eating them alive? I mean, seriously, I, I, I genuinely wonder what this party is going to do six months from now. We will be watching, but not waiting. From voter suppression to stripping women of their bodily autonomy, the devil is busy because he knows his time is short. It's up to us to stay on guard and make sure that the hacks and cowards and racketeers selling fascism in the name of freedom do not win. I'm so grateful to be joined by a Georgia Army vet and a real patriot who is doing precisely that work. He stepped forward in the fight for democracy after January 6th to take on Marjorie Taylor Greene and now he has a brand new mission to keep that fight alive. Marcus uh, Flowers, welcome welcome to Lights On. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me, Jessica. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's so timely. When I, I, I reached out to you and then found out about this, this new mission, and I just, I think I want to talk for more about that for sure, but I just want to get your reaction because I know that you were just catapulted into this this fight for public service in our democracy after January 6th. What's your reaction to this prosecution, this, this very powerful indictment coming down in your state? Well, you know, we've, we've been waiting on this here in Georgia since the day we heard the so-called perfect phone call to Brad Raffensperger. Uh, you know, 
everybody could hear it. Everybody could hear that he was soliciting an official to overturn the election here in Georgia to wipe away our votes. I just need 11,780 votes. We all heard that. And we knew as soon as we heard that phrase, that's got to be, that's got to be wrong. Someone's got to do something. Someone's got to step up. And here we are, two years later, two and a half years later, Bonnie Willis has done what we've all been hoping and praying would happen and indicting Donald Trump on trying to steal our votes here in Georgia. I remember it so viscerally. I was actually in Georgia at the time because I was helping with the campaign of Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. And I remember after that phone call, the, uh, the, the newspapers the next day all over the state said 11,780 votes. Yeah. And um, I want to kind of go into both your and my reaction to what happened on January 6th. But let's let's play that clip. Actually, what leads up to that statement? Because I think it's really the shakedown. It's the real mob oh, boss coming out in him. Yeah. You know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a you know, that's a criminal. That's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyers. That's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines. And you can't let it happen. And you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. It's unbelievable. I mean, to think of that in the context of the president of the United States threatening a state official who was just trying to do his job and legitimately carry out the law with criminal prosecution. I mean, so, so sophomoric. It's like, come on, Brad, help me help you. You know, that's, that's what it sounds like. You know, you're going to be in trouble if you don't do what I'm telling you to do. And I'm telling you to break the law. I'm telling you to go against your oath that you swore to the people of Georgia, that you swore to the constitution, you know, I mean, this guy, if, if, if that doesn't explain it all, how, how could people not listen to that call in its entirety? And I'm glad you played the, the lead up to the 11,780 11, votes. How could people listen to that in its entirety and not see that this guy is, as you so aptly called him, a mob boss who's getting his comeuppance now? He's getting it now. And he he um, he promised that press conference at Bedminster. And then, oh, you know, I actually I have a theory here. I think he announced it, maybe possibly knowing he wouldn't do it, then wanted to use his lawyers as an as an excuse, as because, of course, yeah. he has no evidence of fraud. And you were at the heart of pointing this out when you took on Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I want to remind our viewers, I mean, first of all, just your your courage and willingness to step aside from your career at the time and do this was, it was such an uphill battle in a deep red district. Um, but you called out her lies. And we have a clip also from that debate with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I wanted to, to share it with our viewers. I need a. I, 
I need a rebuttal to that. Uh, you cannot accuse me of insurrection. I was a victim of the January 6th riot just as much as any other member of Congress. That was the third day I had on the job. I had nothing to do with what happened there that day, and I will not have you accuse me of that. That is wrong of you to do. You're lying about me, and you will not defame my character in that manner. Did Joe Biden win the election, Congresswoman Green? Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Absolutely, Marcus. but you pushed a big lie that said he did not win the election. There was and election fraud. you drove those proven. people to there the Capitol on January 6th with your lie. We're going to move on. Josh Rowe, it's election your turn fraud. to ask and my the question has to Marjorie proof of it. Taylor Greene. We have did her husband show you the proof? Yeah, I still haven't seen that proof yet. You know, it's almost like the Donald from the Donald Trump playbook. Oh, in two weeks, we'll be, you know, presenting evidence that's irrefutable. Come on, we've never seen any of it. Yeah. So. And isn't it isn't it just so egregious when these people have caused so much trauma and terrorism and in worst cases, suicide and death of other individuals in this country and they play the victim? They pretend like they are the ones being victimized in this scenario. Isn't it sick? It's the philosophy of Donald Trump. Always be the victim. Be, you know, they're coming after us, you know, and you, and you see all of the other, you know, MAGA sycophants following in his footsteps. Oh, the weaponization of DOJ, the weaponization of indictments against politicians. You know, it's it's nonsense. You know, don't do the crime if you don't want to face the music. Yeah, it's it's, this, is, this is the real opportunity for the American people to see through that. And that's why I alluded to that. You know, I think narrative has such, it's a narrative is everything, frankly, it's everything. You know, it guides, I want to get into this more with what you're doing with Mission Democracy, but I know you are working to change narratives or at least educate people in very, very red districts um, who have just been so gaslit by right-wing echo chambers into not knowing who a person like Marjorie Taylor Greene is. I mean, just being very sadly trapped into, you know, the personality cult that she has latched onto that's the same kind of personality of, of Trump that they think is a strong fighter when really this person does not have their interests at heart at all. Absolutely not. I mean, and that's that's one of the big things that I did out in the campaign. You know, we got out and we knocked on doors and we weren't just knocking on doors of Democrats. We were knocking on doors of independents and Republicans. And we won some of them over and, you know, we got Democrats out. We've done something that no one else has done in this district. You know, got over 80,000 voters, Democrats, independents and Republicans to come out and vote for a Democrat in a deeply red district, you know, and that's by sitting down and having the conversation with them. I mean, I, I, I learned that when you sit down and you have honest conversations about people, you realize that we're, we're not that far apart on what we want, on the policies that we're wanting. But a lot of the people that I spoke to who were Republicans, they were trapped in those echo chambers. They weren't hearing the other side. They weren't seeing what it was that their representatives was doing or not doing for them. And we pointed that out. I mean, you know, and that's one of the things that I wanted to continue with Mission Democracy, reaching out to those people who wouldn't otherwise, you know, get the information. If they're listening to a Newsmax or an OAN or Fox News, they're not getting the whole truth. They're getting 
but are not getting the truth at all from some of those outlets. Mm -hmm. They're just getting what Trump wants them to hear. But they need to hear the truth. They need to understand the dangers of extremism, of radicalization, of fascism. They need to understand these things. And it's up to us to get out and talk to them, at least meet them halfway. That's one of the things I, I always talked about is meeting people where they are and just having an honest conversation. You can't just write people off and say, well, no. about it. You're, ne- you're never going to, you know, get to them. And there, and there are some people on the extreme right that you're not going to reach, but you got to try. Yeah. And you're planting seeds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. You're planting those seeds. If you just get people thinking, well, you know, what has the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates or Paul Gosar or Lauren Boebert done for their constituents? And it's not much. Mm-mm. It's not much. It's culture wars. It's a lot of yelling and screaming. It's a lot of talking about impeaching a president for nothing. It's talking about Hunter Biden's laptop all of which is not doing anything for the kitchen table issues that are affecting people right now. You know, look at the work that Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing, you know, inflation's come down, gas prices have come down. Infrastructure is starting to move. We're headed in the right direction. This economy is humming. Yeah. And then you have those Republicans who are trying to take credit for that. (laughs) They do. You know, who the president called out, you know, when he was talking about infrastructure projects or rural broadband in Alabama that he voted against. I know. Yeah. So this is, you know, you, you got to reach out to those people. You got to have those tough conversations. They're not always going to be pleasant, but you got to do it. You got to put the information out there where they can see it. That means knocking on doors and placing ads in places where you know they're watching. That's what you got to exactly. do. Exactly. That's wonderful. I'm a huge believer in that. Anybody who watches Lights On knows that that is very much um, my my ideology to to reach out and break through. Otherwise, it's it's up to us. I mean, we're the ones living in this moment. We're the ones dealing with this cult following. It's up to us through our families, through our communities, through strangers we meet at the grocery store. You know, anybody to you know have those tough conversations. Not always. You know, be be smart. Be be wise, I should say, and, you know, when to, to kind of go deeper, but um, it's absolutely in our hands to wake, wake each other up. Um, And it's, it's so, I mean, when you talk about the right wing echo chamber and them taking credit for Biden's massive successes, I mean, like you said, lowest global inflation rate, uh, massive strides on infrastructure. And at the same time, while they're taking credit for his successes, they are trying to tell the American people that the Democrats want to set this country on fire and destroy it. It's really, it's really sick. And at the end of the day, when I, like I mentioned to you when we talked before this, at the end of the day, these MAGA Republican followers, I won't, you know, I, I like to separate the politicians from the supporters. The supporters are going to come to a rude awakening one day when they realize that these people who they've been following are very detrimental to them, them, not the other people. They hate them. You know, I, you know, I've served this country for almost 30 years. So three decades, a decade of that I spent in combat zones in Iraq and Afghanistan. And before that I worked in intelligence and electronics warfare, uh, done peacekeeping missions in the Balkans. So I've seen worst case scenarios 
I've seen where strongmen authoritarians will take a people, a country. You know, I've seen the playbook. And we can't allow that here. You know, we have to stand up for our democracy. We have to stand up for the Constitution. Because guess what? If we break this, and Trump came very close. People don't realize how close he came to destroying our democracy. He came so close. You know, it's it's scary sometimes when you read the in, in, indictment from Jack, uh, uh, special counsel Jack. Uh, I'm sorry, Smith, I'm sorry, it's Jack okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to say Mueller for a second, but Jack Smith, you know, when you read through that indictment and you see just how close they came. Yeah. And they're, they're not only it. how close they came, but how they're the direction they're still headed. They're I mean, this still, is still what they want to do. After the fact, they're still doing it. We've seen yeah. these types of playbooks before, and we've got to alert people and warn people to the dangers yes, yes. of that. Uh, to, I love that perspective as as an army vet that you have from a, a global experience. Um, you know, the the. Republicans and the right wingers, they gaslight on this issue, too. And I, I know all too well, Marcus, because I used to live in this echo chamber. So I believed that the, you know, much like the Cuban community believes in Miami, that Trump is the antidote antidote to somebody like Fidel Castro, when in fact, he's the same thing. He would he would do anything to silence his critics and and crush out um, you know, anybody who would try to hold him accountable and um, yeah, you know, any type of dissent. Any type of dissent. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's completely um, the opposite of what these these people who follow Trump believe. They don't understand. And I, I know a lot of people think that these people want a strongman leader. I would say they they want what they think is a strong leader. They think people like Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene are, quote unquote, strong. But they right. don't understand that these people are flat out dictators in waiting. They don't understand that. Absolutely. I mean, it's a conspiracy for power. And, you know, again, I, I keep saying we've seen this playbook before. Um, you know, we watched it happen in Iraq and other places. I can't stress enough that, you know, having spent time in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, I see what radicalization looks like. You know, I saw people radicalize and you know, I saw them some turn around, but right now what we have in this country, and it hurts me so much to say it, is we have a not insignificant portion of our population that is radicalized right now. There's no other way to say it. It's it's true. I mean, it's they'll believe anything that Trump feeds them. And they're falling for one of the oldest cons in the book. In the book, we talked about him being a victim and, you know, talking about the weaponization of DOJ and things like that. What do you think he's going to do when he, he wins presidency again? He's going to weaponize the DOJ, what he's accusing the Biden administration of doing. He's going to do. He's already tried to do it. If you read the indictment from Jack Smith, he tried to weaponize DOJ. To put the man in power. That would overturn the election. But once he realized that it would have been another Friday night massacre and everybody would have uh, resigned en masse, he backed away from it. 
So, backed so, away from it then, but in second time then, round, second term, it won't happen. No, it's the fulfillment of all of that in the worst possible way. Yeah, and you mentioned um, you mentioned this this victim card again, and you know there are so many real victims. There is radicalization. I had Frank Fogluzzi on last week, former FBI, and he he's very clear on this. I mean, this is Donald Trump is is inciting stochastic terrorism. There was somebody killed last week by the an, an FBI shootout who wanted to assassinate Biden and Merrick Garland. Uh, another woman arrested this week with yeah, threats to Tanya Chuck and. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is this is not going to stop. This is and and not only is it Trump inciting it, but it's all of the GOP, not only the the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Paul Gosers and that lun, lun, lunatic ring, but the silent enablers. Oh man, the silent enablers, man. These people, these people get me the most, Marcus, because they they know better. They say it in their private circles. They say it to journalists off the record. But these so-called freaking leaders do not have one shred of moral courage to speak it and and be a real patriot for this country. That's it. I mean, Liz Cheney, she gave them the blueprint. All they had to do was stand up. And, And you could see the aftermath of January 6th. You had... Lindsey Graham said, that's it. That's enough. I'm out. Kevin McCarthy, you know, saying that Trump was at fault. Now he later went and kissed the ring. Mitch McConnell, you know, they were all there that night. They knew what happened. That was their opportunity. Well, they should have impeached him or uh, convicted him in the Senate before that. So he couldn't have run for office again. (laughs) The first impeachment, the second impeachment, they definitely should have after January 6th, but they lacked the moral courage to do so. They lacked that conviction. You know, I guess they forget their oath. And I swore that same oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States at 18. I took it seriously. I've reaffirmed it many times throughout my career. You know, government is serious business for serious people, people who have to have that moral fortitude and courage to stand up for what's right, even in the face, even in the face of not getting reelected, if you're an elected official. So be it. Especially, so especially, be it. yeah, especially then. That's, I mean, the moments of trial are the moments that call upon us to really show our, our true character, right? Where if you really are a leader, those are the moments. That's it. Those are the moments. And you know, the, the silence that you talk about from those members who aren't willing to speak up, you know, that's cowardice. That's cowardice. That's operating from a place of fear. And you can't do that if you're going to call yourself a leader. You've got to push through that and do what's right, what you know is right. And a lot of them know what the right thing is to do. But you only had a couple of them stand up and do the right thing. And I know there's more of them there because I've spoken to some of them. And I know that this this kind of insider knowledge that you have and just through your experience of, of running against Green has has been an impetus, hasn't it, to continue this work and, and broaden it? Definitely. We're going to continue the work. It's, it's, it's vital. I mean, you know, it's a little effort in, the, in a bigger pool of effort that needs to be shown, but every little bit counts. 
every little bit counts in yeah. this world. You know, again, I just I think about my daughters and my son. What type of world are they going to inherit? Yeah. You know, my daughters, they don't have the same rights now that my wife had or that my mother had when it comes to Roe. They're slowly taking rights away. Elections have consequences. <laughs> this elections have consequences. And now, and I, and I, and I use the analogy that the Republicans finally caught that bus with Roe, the dog that finally caught the bus on Roe, and now they're getting run over by the bus. You know, they're seeing that these things aren't popular with the American people. But we just yeah. got to educate a little bit more and keep showing them that extremism and radicalization and fascism is also against their interests. It's also what you want. You think these people are speaking their minds. I mean, I've heard, I heard that several times. Oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks her mind. Oh, I speak my mind too. No, but I speak the truth. Absolutely. There you go. Like I, like I've said many times before, and this is one of my wake up calls. You know, I used to think Trump was authentic. It was one of the reasons I gave him a break on some, some of the more heinous things that he said and did. He's the least authentic person to ever live. He doesn't have a single thread of authenticity in him. It's all a show. He doesn't even know himself. He couldn't be authentic if he wanted to. And go, same goes for somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene. But what you said about, you know, the unpopularity of something like overturning Dobbs or Dobbs overturning Roe and you know the 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 vast support um, all, across the country even in red states for things like you know sensible common common sense gun reform um, you see in these polls and even like in places like Ohio and Kansas where they where they re, you know fight back against these these efforts to to go decades back on women's rights um right the, the policies the policies of republicans versus democrats are not popular i mean they shouldn't they should my theory is that if the majority of the population was educated on who represents what and wasn't constantly brainwashed with demonization of the democrats there would be many, many, many more Democrats, or at least many, many more independents voting, like independents like me, voting Democrat, because they would realize that, that Democratic policies, hello, I mean, make the connection here, step away from the personality obsession from these people who are literally running your lives on cable television and vote for your own interests. Right, exactly, exactly. But you know, take it, take it back to before Roe was overturned what everyone was saying, oh, we just want to send it back to the states. <laughs> Let the states make the decision. And so people were okay with it until it got back to the states. And they realized what the states really wanted was a total ban. And also they wanted to federalize it, to make it a ban at the federal level. At the federal level, I'm sorry. Lindsey Graham even said as much. He said the quiet part out loud. And then people realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what you said. And they felt betrayed. And you're seeing that in state after state with Kansas, with Ohio now, you know, we need to do some work here in Georgia as well. We need to do some work in Florida also, but you're, yeah. you're seeing 
that people are waking up. They're starting to wake up mm-hmm. a little bit. And there are more independents now, but yep. I think they're mm-hmm. they're starting to wake up and say, hey, this is a bridge too far on a lot of things. We just need to get them there on Trump as well. 100%. And we're, we're going to. We're going to break through this market. We're going to keep working. Yeah. We're going to keep working. We have to. We have to. Um, I want to I want to get come back from the break and get your visceral kind of that visceral reaction I talked about that we both had on January 6th and also some really um, poignant moments that I don't want us to forget that are mentioned in this Georgia indictment. I'm going to dive into more of them on the other side of the break. This summer, you could spend thousands of dollars on planes, hotels and tourist traps, or you can spend less money on a beautiful garden that will give you years of pleasure with FastGrowingTrees.com. FastGrowingTrees.com has thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties expertly curated for your unique climate and needs. From Meyer lemons to evergreens to shade trees and everything in between, no more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. No green thumb? No problem. FastGrowingTrees plant experts are just a Zoom, chat, or phone call away always available and eager to help. They can even walk you through your entire garden to help solve problems you're having with plants and trees. Plus, fast-growing trees plant experts have specialized degrees and training to help troubleshoot from root to leaf. I love fastgrowingtrees.com because I found the Summer Spice Hardy Hibiscus Blue Brulee. If it sounds beautiful, it is, and plant experts help me keep it thriving. And with Fast Growing Trees 30 Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great, fresh out of the box. Join almost 2 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on now to get 15% off your entire order. 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash lights on. So to bring us back to being in the state of Georgia on January 6th, as our viewers will recall, this was the same day that we knew the election results in Georgia for the Senate. The election had been the night before. We had just found out that um, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff would be joining the Senate, a huge blue victory, flipping of those Senate seats in Georgia. And instead of getting to enjoy that moment and, um, you know, revel in that progress, we had this ugly, disgusting, terrorizing scene at the Capitol. I, for one, I, I had like a reliving of all of the trauma that I had experienced going all the way back to the Trump campaign and then having warned the country about this terrorism and then in- enduring it all over again during Trump's presidency. And it just kind of like all came to a head for me again on January 6th in Georgia. What was your reaction? Well, I was working from home that day. Um, pretty much this very same spot. My desk was facing that way. Uh, and I was watching the television on mute and I was typing up a report. Um, and so I start, and you know, I, Trump's on the television giving a speech, you know, the, that I see that. And then I see people at the Capitol and um, it's going in. So I, I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, so I unmute the television and I start watching and, you know, start getting the reports late into it. And I could not believe what I was seeing. 
I mean, it took me literally a few minutes to wrap my head around what was going on. Is this real? Are they really doing this? And as it goes on and on, and you're just in shock and, and, and disbelief for me, um, you know, and this is coming from someone who spent a decade in combat zones. War zones. War zones. I, you know, I actually never thought I would see the day, never thought I'd see the day where our capital was attacked, where people, whether they knew what they were doing or not, were trying to overthrow our government. I never thought I'd see that day. I mean, that's something that's usually reserved for like movies in my mind. And I was just, I sat there in disbelief. Um, it, it took me a few hours to really process it. And Marjorie Taylor Greene had been on my radar and I'd seen, you know, her post before come to the Capitol, you know, yeah. our heard all of her ranch. This is our 1776 moment. And I never took a lot of that stuff that seriously before then, but watching that attack on the Capitol, being a government official, being bound by Hatch Act, someone who was always apolitical, couldn't really speak out on anything because, you know, I'd be in violation of Hatch Act. And that's just something that we didn't do as government officials. You You actually abided by the law, unlike Kellyanne Conway and many others. (laughs) Never talked politics, never shared my, you know, political beliefs one way or another, you know, the mission was always the same for me. But at that moment, I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to do something. I couldn't just, not that I was sitting on the sidelines, but this is for lack of a better expression, I could no longer just sit on the sideline and carry on as if nothing had changed. Everything had changed for me that day. That night, I sat down and I talked with my wife I said, you know what? I've got to do something. I said, I'm going to run for Congress against Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I made sure she understood what that meant. But <laughs> I'm leaving my career, you know, maybe 10 or 11 years away from retiring. And I was going to leave that and run for Congress in a red district. And the very next day, January 7th, I called my supervisor and I told him, hey, you know, I'm resigning my post as a government official to run for Congress against, you know, someone who played a part in trying to overthrow our government. Mm. And he knew I was serious. He knew that he says, I know you. I know you wouldn't be able to sleep and not do anything. Godspeed, brother. Nice. And that's that's how I got here. <laughs> that's such a beautiful example. I mean, I had a, I had a similar years back, you know, kind of pivotal existential moment when I decided to act. And I think that story of yours can be so inspiring for others who maybe find themselves in, in, in a position where they're like, can I do something? Should I do something? And you just you just took took those reins and you made that decision. I think sometimes the bravest thing to do is simply to decide. <laughs> Just simply to make a choice. Um, Yeah, take that first step. And and the rest will unfold if your heart is in the right place, if your motive is right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we stay sober on lights on. Great. (laughs) Um, But 
yeah, absolutely a beautiful example of what um, what what somebody can do. And, and you did. You faced such an uphill battle, but it was a very important exercise in in laying out to the public the threat that Marjorie Taylor poses, that she continues to pose. I mean, who knew that she would be basically be Speaker of the House by proxy, essentially? I mean, really on behalf of Donald Trump. Um, and these people are extremely dangerous to all of us. Um, but tell me, tell me, I want to, we're going to get to those, those uh, Fulton County indictment details. And I want to bring in especially some pieces from Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss. I really also connected to that story. And I don't think we can spend enough time focusing on the um, utter egregious manner of the way those women were treated. But tell me with Mission Democracy about this concept of can't vote, demote. You mentioned this to me earlier, and I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you mean by this. So this is a can't vote, demote is a program that we're kind of rolling out over the next couple of months. And it's it's really for people who live in, let's call them safe blue districts or any other district that doesn't have a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Paul Gosar or Lauren Boebert or Matt Gates you know, just the worst of the worst, Jim Jordans, you know, you can't vote for them. But here's the thing. Congress belongs to everyone. And those people make decisions that affect your life, even if you live in, you know, the California, safest, <laughs> California yeah. uh, in the, in the safest of safe blue districts. Their vote matters to you. Mm-hmm. You can't vote against them, but you can help demote them. You can help Mission Democracy spread the word and get to those people who are voting for them, mm-hmm. and get the word out. So that's what we're doing. You know, we'll be running a series of ads uh, in red districts, educating, demoting them, you know, getting the word out on who your representative really is, what they really stand for, what the dangers they present to those people in those rural red districts trying to help, you know, their opponents. Yeah. I noticed, um, yeah. One of the examples that you gave on your website was George Santos um, because people just didn't know. And this is what I, like I try to say, people always ask me, Jessica, how did you support Trump in the first place? And there's, there's a whole construct there that we could take a whole show to (laughs) dismantle. But uh, one of, one of the huge things is you don't know what you don't know. I mean, there were egregious things in his past, like Central Park five, for instance, that I freaking just did not know about. Nobody saw it coming. And so, like, you gave the example of George Santos where, um, you know, people, there was local journalism on some of his fraudulent schemes, but it didn't, it didn't get elevated. It didn't get mainstreamed. And had it before the election, that would have been another Democratic seat in New York. I mean, because you could see how furious people were once they learned the truth. They were furious, his constituents. I mean, and rightfully so mind you. So this is what we want to do in all of those districts where you have those extreme radicals like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the list and Santos. This is how we keep fighting that fight. You can't vote for them. You can't vote against them. Help demote them. Help get the word out to people who really need to have that word. 
And, that's and what people, people wherever they are can support Mission Democracy for you to be able to do more of that, that narrative, that messaging to let, to educate people. Um, let's take a minute, if you don't mind, I kind of want to segue into, uh, into some voter suppression. It's amazing the threads that came out in this indictment. Um, threads that have been popping up in other places. One of the really interesting characters who I tripped on in, an, in an, like a year old article is Misty Hampton, otherwise known as Misty Martin in Coffee County. But it's just an attack on the entire electoral system. Um, of course, we can never forget the attack on Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. Um, of those 18 individu individuals indicted were Trevion Kuti and Harrison Floyd, these like pseudo publicists used to work for Kanye West, black voices for Trump. I mean, brought in to, again, try to shake down, shake them down this like innocent said. woman who had done absolutely nothing wrong, who was literally just there working with her daughter. Her daughter was the employee. And I I was actually on this network covering the January 6th hearings when Shea Moss testified to Congress. And it, it really hit me and brought me to tears. And I just wanted to play that moment that was really ups upsetting to me. We had... Uh at least 18,000 that's on tape, we had them counted very painstakingly, 18,000 voters uh, having to do with uh, Ruby Freeman, that's, uh, she's a vote scammer, a professional vote scammer and hustler. Donald Trump attacked you and your mother using her name 18 times on that call, 18 times. Ms. Moss, can you describe uh, what you experienced listening to former President Trump attack you and your mother in a call with the Georgia Secretary of State? I felt horrible. I felt like it was all my fault. Like, if I would have never decided to be an elections worker, like, I could have done anything else. But that's what I decided to do. And now... People are lying and spreading rumors and lies and attacking my mom. I'm her only child. Going to my grandmother's house. I'm her only grandchild. And, and my kid. It's just, um, I felt so bad. I, I just felt bad for my mom and I felt horrible for picking this job and being the one that always wants to help and always there. Never missing not one election. I just felt like it was it was my fault for putting my family in this situation. And that was the desired effect, the chilling effect. That's what they desired. And it's even worse the things that you know Rudy, Rudy was saying. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah, and they've, they've scared a lot of elections workers into leaving the job. I mean, now people that are just recruited for this basic function of, you know, going out during elections and serving your your locality or your country by being an election worker, literally, they're scared for their lives to just do their job. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really sick, the lengths that we went to. I have the clip here, too. It's short. I, I want to play it from that Cobb County police station when these, this Cootie and Floyd individual uh, shook down Shay's mother. I cannot say what specifically will uh, take place. I just know that it will disrupt most of them who are only safe for a party that needs to tidy up 
I've worked with some of the biggest names in the industry. The crisis is my thing. Um, what they don't want to do for you is create another crisis. Eye roll there. You know, all of the innuendo that she's using. We're here to help you. That's the sickest part, that they acted like they were her protectors. <laughs> when really they're there to destroy her life. It's so, it's so deranged. It's just like Trump was acting like he was Brad's friend on that 11,780 votes call. Brad, I'm doing this for you. I'm trying mm -hmm. to save you, not me. Yeah, come on. This playbook, it's, it's sick. We've seen it before. And they all deserve to be held accountable. 100%. For the parts that they played. And 100%. DA Willis is doing that. And you're in a state where even some of these Republicans in Georgia who who did the right thing in the moment, Brad Raffensperger, the governor, Brian Kemp, even individuals like him have moved forward after January 6th with these voter suppression efforts, making it harder to vote in Georgia. Actually, I want to take a, take a moment to acknowledge a major victory. Um, a federal court ruled today that the water ban had to be repealed in Georgia, the, the ban on giving people water yeah. in line. Um, so that's one, one small victory. But that... Uh, headline that Salty just put up on the screen was actually from an article about a year ago. And this is where I saw the name Misty Martin surface. And I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. There's Misty Hampton in the indictment. And she is the one, one of the ones that is charged in this unbelievable scheme that went on in Coffee County, literally the day after January 6th, while the country is still reeling from the terrorizing effects of, um, of what happened that day, they are down in trying to wrap your heads around trying to hack elections, hack voting machines mm -hmm. in Coffee County, this deep red district to try to, I don't know, cough up some more votes for Trump after the insurrection. And who helps them? County official Misty Hampton. So she's in this old article where she literally was involved in having a woman who has basically made it her mission and work to help people vote more and particularly help people who are illiterate vote more. And this is, if we go back in history to voter suppression and um, especially targeting communities of color and illiterate communities and other, you know, poor and disenfranchised communities, um, this is an age old tactic, you know, dating back to George Wallace and, and much before. Um, but she was this woman, I think her name was Olivia Pearson, I'm, if I'm getting that right, let me look through my notes here, w would help people, um, would help people be able to read their ballots. Sometimes she would help them send in absentee ballots and make sure they filled it out right. She had been prosecuted under Georgia law for these efforts to help people vote. She was acquitted, thankfully. And then at a later point when she was at um, a voting, voting at an election at a um, site, exactly, trying to help a woman or man, trying to help somebody, she was trespassed from that site by none other than Misty Martin, AKA Misty Hampton. She tried to return later that day just to drop somebody off. She didn't actually enter the site and she was arrested. 
That's who Donald Trump's, Trump's co-conspirators are. That's who these people are doing everything they possibly can to stop people from voting. But the irony of all of this, the irony, to, for me anyway, yeah, that they are doing the exact same thing that they are saying that they're fighting against. Yes. Interference. They're doing it. They're interfering. They're trying to steal votes. They're making it corrupt. Doing the exact same, the same thing they're railing against. That's not happening, by the way. But they're, it's, it's a shame. It really is. Um, and people have to be made aware of this. Because uh, when you, you still have people to this day, I still hear people say, oh, the election was stolen. Donald Trump actually won. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about that last week on Lights On with, you know, in, in the context of threats, because like I, I was bringing up with Frank last week, these there's so many people that still believe that lie that might not be in the camp of who you describe as radicalized. And there is that camp. It's no different than Islamic terrorism radicalization. It's the same kind of, you know, um, anger based, anger motivated radicalization. Um, and there are people that are not necessarily in the extremist group, but who are sympathizers of the extremist group because they believe the lie. There are people who would never show up on January 6th, but who saw what was happening and thought, this is what happens when you steal an election from somebody because they were so inundated with those lies from people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who freaking claims that she's a victim of this whole um this whole yeah. scenario. They're, they're the ones who are being fed the same information. Oh, they're coming to get you and they're, they're taking this away from you. You know, equality and everybody being able to vote easily or fairly is not taking anything away from anyone else. Yes. No. Not. What blesses one blesses all, right? <laughs> equality doesn't mean, you know, I'm getting more of the American dream than you are. It means we both get the exact same portion of the dream. Yeah. You have the same, you're starting off on the same footing as I am. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm taking anything from you. And that's, that's that portion of Americans who are so susceptible to, you know, things like the big lie and, you know, when they listen to as far right news organizations. And they prey on people, Marcus, who are struggling themselves and who the, him, themselves have. I mean, like I said, I put I put the or I've said many times I put the rich kind of, you know, donor class Republicans kind of in another category. But to the extent that they're exploiting people who are themselves really suffering and like have nothing and are just clinging on to this for a sense of community and identity, and they're exploiting these people, it's, it's really, thing. yeah. It's a powerful thing. It, it really is that sense of belonging, or I'm on this team and we, you know, we're fighting for, I guess it's a, a cult of personality. You know, yeah. We're fighting for Trump, he's our man. He He's standing up and he's fighting for us, but he's not. No, he is not. He is not for you, not for any of us, but himself and not even for himself, because if he was, he'd start to own up because that's his salvation. But he doesn't even know that much. We got to teach him the hard way through through uh, hopefully the 
the convictions and sentences that he has coming to him. Yeah. He's um, four indictments. That's a, yeah, Rico, this is, <laughs> it yeah. poses the most threat, I think. Um, I think so too. I really do think so. I think this one, because, you know, from what I understand, and I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to talk, you know, like I completely understand everything in the RICO Act. But what I do understand as a compliance official is painting a picture, yeah. the entire picture, so that people understand what's going on. That I understand. That I think everybody can understand. You know, yeah, it was a really brilliant move. Absolutely. Brilliant move by Fonnie Willis because Donald Trump, anybody that knows him, I worked, you know, close to him and with him, unfortunately. And I know the man doesn't send emails, you know, he doesn't send text messages. He's he doesn't leave that paper trail himself because he doesn't want to be implicated. And what was the RICO law created for? It was created for people just like you, Donald, just like you. So you can't get out of this one because we're tying it all together. We're making the connections and we know that you're the one at the top calling the shots. Sorry, they're, buddy. They're all there. He made that phone call to Brad. Yeah. 100%. He got on the phone. Yeah. So, I want to bring in your perspective internationally on one other topic. I mean, we had today, um, you know, what we, what we see going on overseas is not separate. From what we're dealing with here, we're, we're fighting for freedom literally around the world. We have um, dictators who are um, what what and who Trump aspires to that are um, committing genocide right now. One of them, Vladimir Putin. And um, it's it's really been a devastating year. I think there have been 500,000 casualties reported just recently up until now in Ukraine. That includes Russian and Ukrainian um, troops. But it's it's just unthinkable what the brutality and inhumanity that has gone on there because because Vladimir Putin decided to invade a sovereign country and said, I want that a sovereign democratic country who decided their own fate would have nothing to do with him. And that's not something you can do. And fighting back against that is something that uh, strengthens the cause for freedom for all of us. It's in all of our best interests. It's in our best interest. Ukraine is on the front line fighting for democracy. I cannot stress that any harder. They're doing the work for us, for all democracies. You know, Vladimir Putin, when he decided to invade Ukraine, broke the post-World War II order. He broke it. So we're in a new world now. And those who are saying, oh, we don't need to support Ukraine or, you know, all of the other ridiculous things you hear out of the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, they're doing the work for democracy right now. We need to do everything we can to support them. And push yeah, back Putin's Can we play a clip of one of those? I mean, somebody who is actually sometimes higher in the polls than even former Vice President Pence, this this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy. Let's let's give a yeah. little insight into that perspective from just today. But you would let Putin I have would parts of Ukraine. Freeze the current lines. I would I would freeze the current lines of control, and that would leave parts of the Donbass region with Russia. I would also further make a commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine to NATO. But there are even greater wins that I will that get sounds the like a win for the return. Putin. The top of the list. 
No, well, he, our goal should not be for Putin to lose. Our goal should be for America to win. That's what we have forgotten in this country, is that driving Russia into the ground is not a U.S. strategic. It's just nonsensical. I'm sorry. It's nonsensical. You know, let a foreign invader come in and invade another democracy. And, you know, we shouldn't do anything. We should just wash our hands and say, oh, it's not our problem. That invites that kind of behavior, those kind of people. And it goes all together because when you when you say there won't be consequences for somebody like Putin and what he did, when you say you're going to capitulate or compromise with a terrorist like him, it's the same as saying somebody like Donald Trump should get away with his crimes. Because what is the only thing these people understand? Accountability. That's it. Consequences are the only thing that they can respond to. So you have to give them consequences. And what is consequences here in the interest of the entire free world? Absolute victory for Ukraine. Sovereign victory for Ukraine. Absolute victory. I mean, if we do nothing, what does that what does that tell Kim Jong Un in North Korea? Yep. What does that tell if China? You want a piece of whatever country? Here, come and that, take it. What does that tell China? Yeah, exactly. You want a piece of? You want to take over Taiwan? Go ahead. It's there for the taking. America's not going to do anything. Yeah. They're not going to support you because, hey, guess what? They've got fascist leaders in government. We're going to stop everything. That's what it tells our enemies. That's also what it tells our allies. 100%. And unlike what Vivek Ramaswamy was trying to gaslight there and act like America's interests are his priority, no, by your actions and what you're projecting and, and people in, in the Republican caucus right now in office, that is making America weaker. That is making the Putins of the world stronger, the Xi Jinpings, the Kim Jong-uns. That's putting Russia first and America last. Absolutely. It's... And we always operate from a place of strength, which is why I'm glad we have the president we have now because he's projecting strength. Yeah. Calm and and real strength. Absolutely. Not phony political theater. Speak softly, carry a big stick. So wrap us up, Marcus, and I just tell us tell us um, what people can do to support the work that you're doing and get more involved in Mission Democracy. Um, I really think this is something that we should be so excited about and, and elevate. Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I'd like to draw people to our website, which is www.missiondemocracy.org. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter where we're putting out information each week. Uh, you can help pass that information along. You can help donate so that we can get ads uh, out to the districts that we're, you know, really targeting right now. Um, you know, there's so much that you can do. Uh, and as we get further on in the election, if you guys sign up with us, we're going to start trying to reach down into those districts and help do some organizing. Um, you know, if you feel like knocking on doors, if you're in some of those districts, if you're Democrats in those really, really red districts, we're going to be helping with the organizing as well there so www.missiondemocracy.org sign up for our newsletter you know if you can throw a few bucks our way so that we can get out more ads we'd appreciate it thank you so much marcus it was great to um to meet you and thank you to our mutual friend who i know is an also an advisory board member for you olivia troy for for connecting us great it's it's been great to have you
I want to wish everybody a, a wonderful weekend and um, definitely check out Marcus's website and get involved with Mission Democracy. Donate if you can. Um, also, if you can, you know, I always love and I'm so appreciative of your support in my legal battle against Trump. You can help me there at thejessicadenson.com slash donate. That's always uh, such a wonderful um, show of support from you. If you can, it's, it really warms my heart. And if you can, one thing you can do for free, 100% is subscribe to Lights On with Jessica Denson wherever you get your audio podcasts. It really helps elevate the show and bring it more in, um, put it on more people's radar just by subscribing, leaving a review. If you're um, watching us on YouTube, definitely subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to my channel, Jessica Denson. I'm also putting out some shorter clips now, just highlights from the different shows. Um, and, you know, tell your friends and neighbors about Lights On. We, we have the power within us to defeat this fascism, to change the narrative, and to have victory on the side of freedom and democracy. As always, have a wonderful weekend and let your light shine.